Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to a very special edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Now, the transfer window, for lovers out there of it, has officially shut. Obviously, I think of you known across the summer, myself and Jamie over at Daily Hotspur. We've been trying to keep you up to date on anything in relation to Spurs. And Jamie, have you missed having the window close? <laughs> Definitely. I think Jason will get a bit annoyed that I'm saying <laughs> that. But um, I have to admit, I do miss uh, the updates. And uh, of course, after that dramatic deadline, I have to admit, I'm missing it. But um, to be honest, after after the win on, on Saturday, uh, definitely over it and uh, just delight the football's back now. That's it, football's back. But one man we've got joining us that's going to give us all the lowdown on Tottenham Hotspur's transfer business. We've got Martin Lipton, the Suns' deputy head of sport. Martin, how are you keeping? I'm extremely well, actually. Thank you. Good to speak to you all. Oh, good to have you here. Well, Martin, tell us how's your summer been firstly? Are you glad the football's back? And how has it been reviewing on this transfer window? Well, yeah, I mean... I'm always pleased when it comes back because there's dead time uh, through the summer when when there isn't any football without any question. It's the uh, you know staple diet of my life. It has been so professionally for for 30 years, and it's been an interesting window. Helped the Spurs have actually done something, which was not a guarantee, as we know from recent years. Uh, all in all, it has been interesting. I think a lot of clubs have made some some big decisions in the transfer market. As much those who are who are leaving as those who are who have come, um, and I do think what we what we saw from the opening weekend was was confirmation of what we all suspected actually about the various strengths and weaknesses of the of the better teams. Completely agree. Well, let's get straight into it, Martin, because Spurs sealed a double 
Dead on double signing with Real Betis midfielder Giovanni Lo Celso arriving on a season-long loan and Fulham's Ryan Sessegnon joining the club for 25 million. Prior to this window, as we all know, the club did not sign a player for more than a year, but having since splashed the cash, signing four players when earlier deals for Tungayund and Bele at 55 million and Jack Clark at 11.5 million were also incorporated into the window spend. What did you make of Spurs' business overall this summer? And do you think Maurizio Pochettino will be happy with the window overall in terminology of, do you think he backed or was backed by Daniel Levy? Well, there's no doubt if you're spending that sort of money and, you know, there's a commitment to buy low sell, so at 60 million, um, the money's been, been spent. I suspect they'll get a bit more back before the European window shuts. I was told they could spend, it was around 80 to 90 million was the sort of net pot uh, de facto, and that's what I think it will end up being in terms of uh, w- what they spent. If you basically say they spent the low sales money because they have, even if they have to spend a, a wait a year before they actually have to lay too much of it out. Um, most of the necessary changes have been made. I think the one thing that Spurs fans would, would argue has been lacking has been the purchase of a right back. Uh, once Trippier went, I think people assumed there would be someone coming in. But uh, Pochettino has made his decision. It would seem that he really wants to play Juan Foyt there. Uh, he has Walker Peters. He could play Sissoko. And those appear to be his, his preferred options. Other than that, he's improved the central midfield area quite clearly by Ndombele. Though Celso gives them far more in terms of creativity, we think, from, from what we've seen of him in, in Spain. And I'm not, you know, I've not seen that much, but enough to be excited. Clark will be a long-term option on the wing. Clearly, very talented boy, and and Cessignon is a very, very good purchase. I think one uh, I, I know that Spurs have been working on for quite some time. I, I think, despite the little murmuring we had from him in Munich the other week, that the Pochettino will be pretty happy. Yeah, he's got much of what he wanted. If anything, he hasn't quite got rid of all those he might have wanted to get rid of. But the strength of the squad has been increased. There's no question about that. And there's a sense of, of purpose about about the signing. So I think uh, you certainly give it an 8 out of 10, if not, if not a bit more. I agree with that one. Jay, the transfer window, I think we've been discussing it throughout yeah. length over the summer. I mean, I, I think I've gone on to mention that I thought it was an 8 out of 10. For you, Jay, looking back on reflection now, is that how you would see it as well? Yeah, I mean, it was um, interesting, I think. But towards the start of the summer, Mauricio Pochettino kind of spoke of a, a rebuild um, of the club and said it would be painful. Um, I don't necessarily think it was a rebuild, but in terms of the players that we brought in and kept, I think it has been a good window. Um, and hopefully after the deadline closes uh, elsewhere in Europe, we can still keep the likes of Toby and Ericsson. Um, but in terms of the players we brought in, I think they are really top draw players. I mean, Dombele, I think he was he had a really solid home debut. Um, and as Pochettino said, I think there's plenty more to come from him. Um, Lo Celso coming in, I'm very excited to see him. I think I've spoken to a lot of uh, people who, who, who've watched him and, and think he really is a very, very big talent and, and potentially um, an even better purchase for Spurs than, than the likes of Coutinho or, or Diabala would have been. Um, I think the question was, a lot of people drew comparisons um, with the position that, that Liverpool were in last year when they, uh, just after they lost the final, um, and of course they went out and brought a number of players and, um, and then went really well in the league last year. So I think it was whether Spurs would potentially go and copy that, having having been in the pretty much the same situation. So I guess the question for, for Martin would be um, would be whether 
does he think that Spurs have got the right players in that, that now we can go and challenge the likes of Manchester City and, and Liverpool next season? Well, I think you've got to take into account, first of all, that last season was a little bit free. In terms of the number of players that Spurs had who were started the season shattered because they had no break. When we had 11 players in the last weekend of the World Cup, which is there nobody would really have imagined before, it, before the World Cup started. Uh, and I think that did affect a lot of the season. They were running on empty. It, it, it added to the injuries that came. And I, I think there's a chance that Liverpool, for example, may suffer um, similar fate this season because of all their players having been away at African Nations um, and South America. And you know, maybe that's a, an, air, an area that you really look at with them with, with Alisson's injury. If you've got that calf injury, if it was a full season off, I'm, a summer off, I'm not sure he would have done. I think compound fatigue comes into play. Um, the difference, of course, is that last year we were 25 points off or more at uh, the top two. But we weren't until those injuries started to tell. And if you look at you know, the end of February, we with a real shout of winning title. I don't think they were ever going to win the title, but they were in the mix. And then it fell away because uh, of that sort of fatigue, basically, and the sheer tiredness of a lot of players. And they overplayed and they struggled. And then there was a decision to sort of focus on Champions League, I think, which became evident towards the end. So I don't think the gap really should have been 25 points last season. I think that... Uh, Liverpool are a more accessible target than Manchester City, who I fear are going to prove at least 10 points better than anybody. Uh, and they're a fantastic team that can't be turned otherwise. But if Tottenham were not in the top four, whereas last season I'd have been disappointed for understanding of that, this time I'd be extremely disappointed because I think there's more strength than we had. I think we've got a fit number nine or number 10, uh, which makes a huge difference fully fit, fully vested, ready to play, ready to score 30 goals. Um, I think we've got more attacking options. And if you look at Saturday, that would be without Son and without Deli Ali, who are two of our best attacking players, and without Boselso, who is to come in. So that's three players to add to the mix. But they should be better placed. I agree. Martin, a player's future that still seems to be up in the air at the moment, despite coming up the weekend and completely changing the game for Tottenham is Christian Eriksen. With the foreign window closing on the 2nd of September for the rest of Europe, barring Italy, or some of Europe, there is a chance there still could be one or two high-profile outgoings, and the Dane is, again, on the lips of many that could be leaving the club. I mean, there's been a whole rife amount of speculation about Christian Eriksen over the summer. Is he committed? You know, could Spurs keep him? As of your understanding at the very moment, Martin, where do you see Christian Eriksen's future? At the start of the summer, Pochettino had assumed he would go. That was the thinking. And that was why he was looking at so many targets to fill the void. Now we're two weeks till the close of the European window, or two and a half weeks. Um, Already the season has started. I think the Spurs, unless they get a really good offer from Spain, and I'm not sure it's going to come we'll have to make the decision to to take the hit next summer and lose Ericsson for nothing next summer rather than losing now. I, I actually think it would it economic sense to risk £40 million, which is maybe what you get for him if you sold him now. Because I think if you keep Ericsson 
until the end of the season. That should guarantee with everything else Tottenham have got top four, which is worth fifty million pounds in addition to what they get for being in the in the Europa League. So just purely economic, they make more money by keeping him. Um, even if they then have to lose him for nothing, then they then they risk if they let him go. I think that the, the risk of of missing out on the top four without Ericsson is too great of a, a one to to gamble with. Saying that, if a huge offer does come in and he pushes for it, it will be hard to keep him. And therein lies the dilemma in that uh, I don't think Daniel Lee wants him to go, but he would like the money. I don't think Ericsson wants to go to anywhere other than a big club in Spain. So if in, if Juventus come in now, does he really want to go there if his heart's set on playing in Spain? I'm not sure. If he comes to the end of the season and there's no offer from Spain and Juventus is still in for him and he can walk there on a free and take you know, the, the Aaron Ramsey route, which is take all the money in his own bin, that would be very sensible for him to do. And I wouldn't blame him for doing it. I mean, he's got the, he holds the cards, as it were. He's the one with only a year left on his contract. He's deliberately chosen not to sign a new one. They've been offered him over much of the last 12 months. But I think if he was to go now, that would be a, a hole in the club, which I don't think would be fair to expect myself so and others to feel initially even if they could do it in a longer term and I, I think whilst I understand that a lot of fans felt that Ericsson didn't always turn it on last season the stats tell you he did and I always think Spurs were a better team when he plays and Saturday was a perfect case in point first half very ordinary no pace in the game no penetration no width better second half with a change of shape Plenty of huff and puff, but no real, not enough creativity. As soon as Ericsson comes on the pitch, the team is 30% better. Mm, yeah. He so much. He creates angles. He creates space. He, he, he causes teams to make, make mistakes because they're scared of him. They're worried what he'll do. And I wouldn't want to lose that. No, I don't think any of us do want to lose that. I mean, he's a wonderful player. I'm going to bring Jay in a second, but I just want to ask you, Martin, before I hand it over to Jay, is there any way in which you can see that the player could end up signing a new contract at Tottenham or do you think it's gone beyond that now? Is it in his mind that he does want a fresh challenge away from Tottenham, away from the Premier League and he does want that desired move to Spain? I think he wants to go to Spain. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And you know, if he was to see out the season and go, given we only paid £11 million for him and we've had, well, I've had six, seven seasons... I wouldn't have any problem with saying goodbye then because it gives you the summer to buy and the whole year to think about replacement. And I just don't think he's going to sign a new deal. And if I were him, I wouldn't either because even if Spurs are offering him, say, £250,000 a week for four years, he can take a signing on bonus of £20 million plus £300,000 a week for four years, from wherever he goes. Well, that's the money, isn't it? That's what you do. So I don't blame him. He, he, he's he been a very good player. He's given everything. I don't think anyone can argue his commitment to the team has, has been lacking. And if he didn't want to play for Spurs, he wouldn't have come off the pitch and changed the game on Saturday. He's enjoying. He's not forcing his way out. At the same time, if the right offer were to come, he feels in his mind that it's the challenge he needs. I don't think you can be upset about that. That's a footballer's decision. And in the short, in the meantime, as long as he's putting in the effort that he did on Saturday when he came on, 
I don't think the, play- the fans would begrudge him too much either. In with Ericsson, we're in a very difficult position because at the end of the day, if he could, we could offer him a, a very large contract, but financially, I think um, he is better suited waiting until next summer when he can potentially get a huge signing on fee. So, um, unfortunately, with Ericsson, it does look as though that's not going to end well for Spurs. But um, the guy we got in, Lacelso, as I said, I think he looks like a very talented player. Um, I think he was slightly misused at, um, at PSG, where he was kind of used in a more defensive role. Um, but but looked a lot better at Real Betis when he was played further forward. So I guess um, for Martin, it'd be quite interesting to see kind of how quickly he's going to hit the ground. And I wonder how how quickly you think he'll he'll um, he'll take to adapt to the Premier League. It's a different style of football, there's no question. He's a pretty talented player. What I would say, the difference between him and Ericsson is that Ericsson has got two very good feet. And whatever you see of the Celta, it's very very left sided. So he would change the balance of the team. Wherever he plays, his natural instinct is to use his left. Um, so teams will, will learn to defend against him perhaps more easily uh, further out than, than Eric. What he does clearly have is that ability to make sharp bursts into the box, willing to shoot, he can hit the ball well, uh, and he's going to be a very good signing. I mean, there's no question about that. He's you know, an Argentine full international. He's clearly got great talent, he's got great ability. More importantly of all, in all of that, is that Pochettino really fancies him. And Pochettino tends to be a good guy football player. So I think we've got to give him time to settle. It is a different style of football. There's been quite a few very good players who've taken three, four, six, even nine months to settle into English football. And the full measure of the player isn't always a talent. And it may be that this will be a settling in season, in which there'll be moments when he's really impressive, but there'll also be periods when he, he's less good because the, the pace of the game may take its toll. Um, he'll come to terms with a different lifestyle. Uh, and I think you've got to be sensible and wait for him to find his feet. There's quite a few other good players who took a long time to, to become the player we wanted them to be. Even when they should, you would have thought, have settled much more quickly. And, uh, you know, Gareth Bale is a perfect example. I mean, there were a lot of people who doubted him when he was signed and didn't do much for the first 18 months or so, and suddenly it all changed. So we've got to uh, afford myself, or I would argue, the same, same patience, the same approach that you would do with, with any other player that you want to succeed. Interesting. Martin? So, Lacelso, I mean, what that might happen, we could see if Delielli playing a more preferred attacking midfield role, where, you know, Ali, he bagged 18 goals and seven assists in the Premier League back in 2016, 2017, when he was more in that preferred role. You would imagine that Lacelso coming in will give Ali that freedom to play that little bit further forward. But one player that I haven't asked you about, and, you know, I'm intrigued to know is what your thoughts were on the signing of Tungli Undenbele. Haven't mentioned him at the start of the show, but just wanted to kind of bring that into context now because he's Tottenham's club record signing. This was a guy that, as we understood as fans, you know, he was widely scouted across Europe by a lot of clubs. And it seems like Maurizio, again, used his magic, used his charm, got on the telephone, went to meet him down at the training ground where he was blown away. Just how big is that for Tottenham? Because um, for me as a fan, I see that as a statement signing. For you as a journalist, watching Spurs being able to attract that kind of player, which I don't think would have happened had they not got to a Champions League final, just what does that mean for Tottenham in terms of how they're viewed now globally to go and bring in that kind of player? Big players only go to big clubs. And Don Bell is a big player. 
he's gone to a big club. He's gone to a, one of the top, you know, the top ten wealthiest clubs in the world, which Spurs now are, with one of the greatest club stadiums in the world, which Spurs now have, with an incredible support network within the training concept, with a great manager, with a fantastic team of talented players. If that package wasn't there, Spurs would not have got Ndombele. But the package is there, which means a player of that quality wants to play for Tottenham Hotspur. Now, it may be that he sees Spurs as a staging post to the likes of Barcelona or Real Madrid in two, three, four years' time. Well, then so be it. We've got him now, and it's a huge statement signing for the club. It, they wouldn't have signed that sort of player two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. You know, it wouldn't have happened. And it's uh, indicative of how, how vast the strides have been in the last five seasons. If you remember that first summer of Pochettino, they were buying Benjamin Stambouli to be the central <laughs> midfielder. Potentially. Um, he was French. <laughs> Things changed. Uh, and it's a huge sign. There's no way that they'd have got, they'd have got Ndombele in, in previous seasons. You know, maybe t- a year ago, off the back of a couple of seasons of Champions League. Remember, you know, this was a, a remarkable season when Tottenham's name suddenly grew across Europe. And yes, they fell, you know, fractionally short of the the final final hurdle, as we all saw when the Spurs were the marginally the better of two poor teams in the final. Um, didn't deserve to lose, but neither did they deserve to win. But the run, beating Dortmund in that way, beating Manchester City in such remarkable circumstances, the the miracle of of Amsterdam, which would have resonated throughout the whole of world football. Those are things that catch players' eye. They can see the quality they see. If you're on Dumbelli, you think, well, I've got my mates, Soko, I really like. And that's good. Oh, that's nice. Hang on, what else have they got? Oh, they've got Kane. They've got Son. They've got Delhi. At the moment, they've got Ericsson. They've got Adevero. They've got Vertonghen. They've got Lloris, who also I want to play with because he's a captain of France, and that would be good for me playing for France. And they've got, you know, Rose and, and all these players. That's what we're talking about now. And Ndombele is a Spurs player. And look at him on, on Saturday. Yes, he took time to settle. He wasn't perfect. Um, but when it mattered, he came up with a key moment, the equaliser. And that seemed to unleash him as a player. He seemed to be much more confident, starting to show the, the tricks, starting to show what he's got. As Pochettino said, that, that was 30 to 40% of what he's capable of. This was a massive, massive moment for the club, his signing, because it was a signal to the world that Spurs are a serious team. Indeed. I completely agree. And Jay, you know, we saw him at the weekend get his first goal for the club on his debut, cracking strike, and you just felt, Jay, that could be the moment to kind of ease him in. It's the perfect way, because he's not really renowned for his goal-scoring ability, and he goes and does that on his debut. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with Martin. I think the Champions League final kind of just elevated Spurs' name. Um, I think I was wondering before the final, look, what, what can we do after after it's all done and, and dusted? What what sort of players can we now go and attract? And um, and, and Dombele was, of course, one of the, the very top young talents around Europe last year. Um, and, and look, when we were linked with him, of course, we weren't the only club there. It was the likes of Manchester City, uh, Juventus, I think Manchester United were also involved and I just wasn't sure if we were able to beat those sort of clubs. Um, now, I don't know whether they might have been 
had um, other targets. Um, but I think it's a real statement that uh, we managed to beat off those sort of clubs to sign a player like Ndombele. But, um, I mean, it, it was brilliant because, as, as we said, I think it was all about getting Pochettino's number one target. And it, it, it does kind of feel as though Ndombele was that man. So, um yeah, look, I'm, I'm delighted that we managed to get him. And, of course, um, I think a lot of people were maybe critical of um, Ndombele's performance. But, look, I, I thought it was really impressive. I was there. Um, I got to watch it live. And I was genuinely really impressed. And, and as we've said, I think there's plenty more to come from him. Um, I think moving it on now, I think that the other player that we signed, um, and I think a lot of Spurs fans would agree, um, just as exciting. You know, we did spend a lot of money on the Celso. Um, and we spent a lot of money on Ndombele, but I think a guy we're also very excited about now is uh, is Ryan Sessignon. Um Of course, I think we've been tracking him for some time, um, but to finally get him in, um, it's going to be very exciting. Um, I think last year he did have a difficult year. Um, so, Martin, I guess I guess the question is, I mean, obviously after that disappointing season with Fulham, do you think he's capable of stepping up for Spurs now um, this season? I think he'll be an excellent signing, Sessignon. I'm very excited about him. Um, I've heard a few things about him as a, as a player which have, and as a boy, which have really excited me about his attitude, about how desperate he is to make the right impression at the club. Uh, he wants to be modest. He doesn't want to be big time. He recognises he's coming in to learn from a, a top coach and from top teammates. And he's absolutely desperate to play for Spurs, absolutely desperate to make a huge impression and sees it as the, the, the real liftoff, the next stage of his career, a massive stage in which he can become an important player for, for Tottenham, but also an important player for England as well. He really believes that that's possible and that the tutorage he'll get under Pochettino will make that more likely. He's looked at the development of, of Rose in particular and of Winks and of and of Kane and Dyer and all these players who have become fully-fledged England internationals, first choice for their country because of the club manager and what he's done for them. And he wants to do that as well. The issue, I guess, with Sessignon is, what is he? Is he a fullback? Is he a wingback? Is he an attacking midfielder? Is he a, is he a winger? I don't know. <laughs> I thought, tell us, I thought you were going to hype us and tell us then, Martin. I thought you had the answer. You got the exclusive. No, no. I don't think even he knows yet. But I think by the end of this season, he will know because he'll have found that position. He'll have been played in that position and he'll be a really important player in that position because the manager knows what he wants him to do. And that's a huge benefit. When you've got a manager who, who has a vision for a player and Pochettino has a vision for every player, determined for them to make the most of what they've got, then it gives you a chance. And he will play games and he won't play every week. And he'll be there'll be moments there'll be maybe a six weeks when he plays a couple of games off the bench only. But by the end of the season, when he's needed, I suspect he'll be very, very good. Because he'll have learned to play the Tottenham way, the Pochettino way. He'll have learned more about himself, how to manage himself as a player. He'll have learned how to manage himself as a human being, which is vitally important at Tottenham, as you know, because it's about behaviour, it's about respect, it's about all those things that you want your children to learn. That's what Pochettino expects of his players in terms of how they go about their daily lives and their work lives and their football lives. And uh, for Sessignon, this is a huge opportunity, one which I, I'm told by everyone who, 
who knows him, he is absolutely desperate to grasp in the right way. And that's a real positive in itself. One man I do want to ask you about, Martin, is Danny Rose, because Rose obviously is now staying with the club as far as we understand it to be. Maurizio has come out on his pre-match press conference ahead of the game against Villa. He said he'll remain at the club, he's part of his plans. Do you think, in a way, Rose can be that mentor to Sessing Young? I mean, they seem to be kind of entwined, that they're players that love to go forward. Obviously, Danny still, as much as he loves to go forward, I think defensively he does lack elements to his game. And the same with Ryan, he's a young fullback. I'm sure Maurizio will look to try and get the best out of him. We've seen the way he's kind of brought the fullbacks on in the past, both his time at Southampton and at Spurs. Do you see Danny being that mentor to Ryan? If he stays beyond September the 1st, yes. But I'm not entirely certain he does. Really? You still believe he could move? If a bid came in from abroad, I don't think Spurs would necessarily stand in his way. Look, they let him talk to Watford on deadline day when you wouldn't have, well, you would have thought it was a pretty late in the day to be talking about letting players go they weren't on the you know the Asian tour without him um, I, I'm hearing suggestions that there are one or two people not a million miles away from the manager who wouldn't be devastated if they lost Danny Rose now they're not desperate to lose him right but were he to go it wouldn't be a sense of doom and gloom about it. It would be, okay, we move on. Now, whilst he has him, it would be foolish not to utilise him. But, of course, one of the reasons that Rose played on on Saturday is that Davis was injured. And had Davis been fully fit, I'm not entirely sure that that Rose would have started, even though I believe Rose is a better player. Um, And I think that they may, if Rose were to leave, that would actually accelerate Sessignon's development uh, in terms of his game time. Um, and that may happen. That doesn't mean the Rose will go. Uh, there has to be an acceptable offer. But he's been rattling the cage for quite a while now. And I think after a while, if you keep on doing that, you do get people's backs up. And I think there's one or two whose, back, whose hackles have been somewhat raised by, by Danny's comments and actions and sometimes, sometimes... His behaviour. Yeah, look, Marta, I think one interesting thing about on Danny Rose is it's it's difficult to know who's kind of pushing this move, whether it, whether it is the player, whether it's the club or, or whether it's Pochettino. Do you, do you know who, who might be pushing for the move the most? I think initially it was it was Danny Rose or his agent or, or both. You know, there was the in, interview he did with, with Dave Kidd in my paper uh, a couple of years ago, which caused real problems at Spurs because they weren't happy about him doing it. Um, there's the comments about uh, throughout much of the last 18 months or so. I think last summer he could have gone, probably would have gone if um, if, a, if a northern club had gone in. I know at the end of last season there was genuine consideration within Spurs of a swap for Lucas Digne at, uh, at Everton. If that had been a viability, that might have happened. Um, and I think because he is he's talked it up a few times and suggested he's not happy, that that's, that's caused concern because Pochettino likes a happy ship. We look at the way he dealt with uh, Kyle Walker when he felt that his focus had gone. And then uh, 18 months ago with uh, Toby Adevera when he felt that he wasn't totally committed to the club. He rode them out. He sold one and effectively told Aldevero, you're not playing unless you sort yourself out, unless you prove you're committed. And it took Aldevero the whole summer to, to get back on side. 
having wasted half a season. And I think there's a similar situation with Rose. And that unless he really does show that he is committed, his future is limited. I think also with Rose, also there was a lot of talk on deadline day, wasn't there, about a move to Watford. Um, I think there was even reports that he was at the at the training ground. Now, I mean, it'd be interesting to get your take on on kind of how that move collapsed and, and, and what happened. I suspect it came down to the normal things when moves don't happen, money. Uh, a, the fee, what Spurs are willing to accept, what what were willing to pay, and then B, what they were willing to pay Danny Rose. Um, I'd be amazed to think that what could meet what he's getting paid at Spurs, to be honest, but there you go. He said he wanted to move north. I don't think he actually meant five miles up the M1. But <laughs> oh, dear, that's brilliant. We, you know, it's funny, Martin. We've got a guy on our show, Jason McGovern. You did Jason's... When you did your book with us, Jason was the older chap you did it with. And me and Jason, yeah. we have this running argument every week about Danny Rose. Because I think Jason's just sick of it. All the stories about Rose. I mean, Jamie, as he knows, he can't wait to see the back of Danny Rose. And I've probably been one of the only guys that kind of champion him. Only because, Martin, in my eyes, for me, still at the moment, he's still the best fullback at the club. And I had no issue in allowing Danny Rose to leave. But my only concern was, Mike, I don't know if you agree with me, if Spurs lose him in this current window open for the foreign teams, does that really significantly leave Spurs short at fullback in your eyes or not? Well, not if you decide that Cecil Young's a left-back. Uh, or that you could play Vertonghen at left-back, which you know you could. Uh, so there are those options. Plus, of course, you've still got Davis, who, whilst... Ben maybe isn't as aggressive on the ball as, uh, as Rose. He's probably more secure defensively. He still can clip a ball in as better, actually. He's a better crosser of the ball than Rose. He just hasn't got the same pace. And you would pick horses for courses, I guess, in certain games. So you do, you've still got three options to play left-back there um, from that first-team squad. So you wouldn't entirely be desperately short... You might not be as strong, and I think that at the moment Rose is still the best left back at the club. Mm, yeah, that isn't the same issue. That sometimes you know, when when two years ago, two summers ago, he t- started talking about big decisions and brave decisions and all of that. He basically was talking about selling Rose out of and Dembele. He wanted them gone because he felt that they needed to go to move on, and Dembele went, as we know, in January. At the wrong time in the end, I think we could have done with him, but I understand why he's, he couldn't play more than a game a week. Adavero stays because no one's triggered the clause, and Rose is there because nobody came in at the right level. But I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, it will be, a, will be viewed by Pochettino as a huge loss if Rose went, even though he's not actively seeking to get rid of him. So, Martin, as you said, I think at the start of the show, um, the one area that Spurs didn't address was, was right-backs. Now, I felt as though last year, full-backs were our, kind of our, our weakest area. So, to not address it was, was very disappointing for me. I think there were a few links um, to, to potential right-backs, but, but do you know of any links or, or, or whether Spurs were, were working on right-backs this summer? They certainly were looking at it throughout the season. There's no doubt about that. It was... I think it was pretty evident towards the end of the year that that going to go. Uh, that it was felt that, like a few players actually, that they they'd run out of gas for Spurs that they needed to be to be upgraded and changed. They did look at uh, Aaron's at, at Norwich, and I think we saw on Friday why they didn't end up pushing for him. 
and that he's still quite naive defensively. I think he's a decent player and he's going to be a good player, but he's still some way behind what you need to be to play for Tottenham. Um, and we've got to remember that Maurizio Pochettino has an unbelievable amount of faith and belief in one point. Uh, whether that be the centre-half or the right-back, he thinks he's the future. He thinks he's a huge player, wants him in his squad, wants him if he can in his team. And I think he's seen right-back as being the position where folk can play. Obviously, in the short term, Carl uh, Walker-Peters played the opening game of the season, as he did two years ago at, at Newcastle. Um, had they bought another right-back in and they looked at a few, I think Walker-Peters would have gone probably on loan to Crystal Palace. I know that Walker Peters thought that he might be sent out, hunted out on loan for the season uh, to a Premier League club where he would have played. Uh, and I think that he does need to play more matches this season if he's going to develop into the player that the Spurs want him to be as a genuine option. Um, I think that Aurier may well go. And I think that the third choice right back in certain circumstances could end up well being Sissoko and falling up and down the right, particularly against teams who aren't going to hurt you where he can really go at them um, right back. Uh, but I think that if everyone's fit, Foyt will be the starting right back for much of this season. And people will question that, they will argue about it and wonder whether it's right. And I know that every player, every manager has his favourites. And of all the players at Spurs, much as he loves Kane and loves Winks, I think Foyt is his project. He's the one that he believes he can turn into the global star and he's going to be determined to, to prove that over the course of this next nine and ten months so that must have been such a blow for him Martin the fact that Foyd has been injured obviously he was suspended at the start of the season anyway but the fact that he's got injured how much does that set the Cubs you know project back in a way because you just feel because of the nature of the fixtures we've got at the start of the season Spurs do need to hit the ground running just also the nature of how Liverpool and Man City have started in their opening cut of games do you think we're strong enough in that area then without the investment at Ryback or do you think I'm going to ask you a bit more in detail about January do you think there's an option there where they might look at that in January depending where the club are in the league the right back area I think if they if the the options at right back don't work then he will look for a recruitment and a, and a reinforcement there. Um, to be honest, crikey, I don't think anyone would have an easy time playing right back against Manchester City on Saturday. Um, <laughs> That's true. Whether that be Foy or, or Walker Peters or or anyone else, because they're they're a really good team and they've got so many options. And I I actually hope that they they play slightly narrow on Saturday, didn't they? They didn't play with a with an orthodox left wing. Um, and it was more about Zinchenko getting forward and famous last words when he scores a hat-trick but <laughs> I'm less worried about Zinchenko getting at us than I would be if it was uh, playing a 4-3-3 with Sterling left side where he's lightning quick and and, and can murder teams as we know um, but it, I don't think it would matter who was playing right back against City they'd have a difficult time uh, you certainly if you're a Spurs fan much as he was a good player and did well and, and came on leaps and bounds You'd have no faith in Kieran Trippier to do any better than Carl Walker-Peters, would mm. you? No, very true. Uh, and I think that while Walker-Peters is, is young and might make mistakes, I thought he was a very solid performer. And you query some question of his delivery at times on Saturday. That won't be the issue this Saturday. It will be about doing the defend defensive side of the job. And he is quick and he can put his foot in and he will stay his man and all of those things. And 
it will be a real test of him. I think the best test of him was the fact that he didn't lose his head after that mistake against Barcelona last season. He he got through the you know, the, ne- the rest of the next hour without making any more mistakes, playing on the wrong side. He played well in some games. He probably wanted to play more football, but I think he's a talented boy and he will get get his chance. Um, but yeah, if, if none of them really, really make the case, I think that January, that would be an obvious area for, for reinforcement and recruitment. Hmm. Look, I was I was personally I was really impressed with uh, Carl Walker Peters on the weekend. I think maybe it's a case of he hasn't quite been given enough time at Spurs. Of course, twenty two, and I, I don't think he's had really enough senior appearances. So, so perhaps that's kind of maybe why he's he's not coming as as much as we thought he would. Um, I I have to admit I I am slightly concerned though um, that he he'll be the guy starting against Manchester City. Um, Martin. So I wonder, do you think whether Pochettino will be there? Because you mentioned about Carl Walker-Peters, that who's potentially uh, look, looking to move away. Do you think Pochettino will be disappointed that, um, that Carl Walker-Peters is now, obviously, his, his number one right-back at the moment? Let's be honest, he's a stand-in on Saturday. Uh, and he would, but he would have been in any event because Foyt is, is suspended. Uh, if he could have got a better right-back, who he knew could play, who also wouldn't, would be willing to play second fiddle to Foyt, which is, if he wants Foyt to be his first choice, then you've got to take that into account. Then maybe he would have got one in and, you know, and might feel slightly disappointed that Walker Peters is the option. Uh, but we are where we are. Um, and it doesn't matter now. It's about getting the best out of him. And that means cover where needed in front of him from Sissoko. I assume we'll have to play a bit more restricted at times. Um, give the boy his head. Let's see what he can do. And if he, it might be the making of him. You know, that's the other thing. What if he plays really well at, at the Etihad on Saturday? What if he neutralises City? What if he stops them getting forward? What a confidence boost that would be for Walker Peters. Um, you know, out of opportunity could come something really, really big. And... That's often the way in football, isn't it? It's the players who grasp the chance, who make the name for themselves, who who suddenly become critical players in the team out of nowhere often because they have taken... You know, look across Manchester to Rashford. He came out of nowhere to play against Arsenal, scored two on his debut and, and you know, ne- never really looked back. Others too have, have done that. They, You know, Delhi when he came on, uh, and his first game against um, Leicester and scored. And so within a couple of weeks, he was a fixture in the team because you couldn't keep him out because he grasped the opportunity. And this is Walker Peters' big opportunity. He's got a month, maybe four or five games of being the starting right back for Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League, potentially if it's out for a bit longer than they, they think, in the Champions League as well. Well, that's the ultimate proving ground for a player, isn't it? Mm. Can you do it? Can you play against Man City and Arsenal away? It's easier to play against Villa and Newcastle at home. (laughs) But can you stand up for those real tests of City and Arsenal away? And if you do, you take that place off him because it would be really tough if if he does as well in the next few games as he did on Saturday. He'll have made himself first choice. 
And if he does, Martin, I think the expectancy will be he's one of the best right backs in the league all of a sudden. And that's Tottenham, <laughs> Tottenham supporters for you. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you, Martin, in terms of Jan Vertonghen's current situation, now I'm sure, I mean, we were stunned at the weekend. Obviously, there were reports breaking early in the afternoon that Jan had picked up a slight injury and therefore wouldn't be part of the squad. Then we saw Maurizio come out beforehand to Sky and give an interview to say that, you know, Jan hasn't been selected for tactical reasons. And you think, well, hold on. Jan Vertonghen is the best centre-back at Tottenham. He's not in the squad. You know, he's in the stands with some shades on. And admittedly, it wasn't that sunny to be wearing shades. Obviously, he was clearly trying to hide his emotions. Can you tell us, Martin, from your perspective? Because we've had a lot of rumours out there about maybe an alleged contract dispute. What do you understand the situation to be with Jan Vertonghen at the moment? What you have with, with Vertonghen, he's very similar to Fabio De Vero, except without the clause, in that he's into the last year of his contract now. And Spurs don't want to lose everyone on a free transfer next summer. So they probably do want him to sign a new deal, even if that means that it's a 12-month extension and they sell him next summer, get some money back. But also, I think there were suggestions that, and I didn't see all the games in free season, that he wasn't absolutely at his finest, shall we say, in some of those games. That Pochettino was a little bit disappointed with his performances. And sometimes you just want to, you know, it's like giving an errant horse a reminder, isn't it? A little show him the whip and see how he responds. I would be amazed if Vertonghen doesn't play on Saturday against City. And I would go with him and Alderweireld and his Masut two centre-halves. And maybe what Pochettino is looking for is a response from him in training to prove him wrong, to prove that he should have played. Uh, I hope so, because I think it would be a massive blow to Tottenham if they were to lose... Uh, for Tongan, because he gives them centre-back balance as well. He's a left-sided centre-half. When Aldevero plays on the left side, he's not as good as he when he plays on the right side. The whole defence is slightly unbalanced. And I think if Tongan had played on Saturday, they would not have conceded that goal. Mm. I, I think they'd have been much more organisation defensively, which he gives them. He's a fantastic player. Arguably Spurs' best player for the last two years, overall, over the whole of the, that time. Whenever he's been fit, they look a better team. Uh, I think he's a fantastic defender. I think he's given an awful lot to the team in the time he's been there as well. Uh, and I'm hoping that this was a, a short-term decision rather than a long-term one. He is not kicking up a fuss quite clearly. There's been no stories anywhere about Vertonghen wanting to go, which, if he wanted to go, you'd have read it by now. He'd have spoken to the Belgians. Um, right. OK. You know, that... Without, when there were issues with Alderweireld, we were able to read about them all the time because there were issues. We haven't read anything about Vertonghen, which does tell you that there's, there probably isn't an issue. However, if he doesn't play very much, there will be an issue <laughs> because he wants to play football. Of course. Uh, but if Pochettino isn't happy with the way he's playing, doesn't think he's right, sometimes you, you can afford, if you think you're going to win the game, to... To let a player know, by leaving him out of the of the 18 entirely, that was a a clear signal to for Tongan that he's not happy about something. As you understand it, before I bring Jay in here to ask you, Martin, you don't, from what un, you're understanding at the moment, there isn't any issue about a contract dispute at present. That's what seems to be alleged. You don't know that to be the well, case at the moment. Well, I think they would like the club would like him to sign a new deal. There's a difference between wanting him to sign a new deal, which at the moment he's reluctant to sign, mm. and a dispute. Right. I think often these things can be negotiations, which start 
with people being you know divergent and end up coming to an agreement. But you wouldn't want to lose three players on three transfers next summer. No club would want to do that. Not particularly, you know, good players, international players, seasoned first team players. And I think it's inevitable that two are going to be out of contract next summer. So Spurs probably do want for Tom to sign a new deal. But is that the issue? I don't know. What I'm hearing is it's more about how he performed in, in three seasons. Mm. I think one thing that is it just seems very unlike Tottenham. Um, I think in past in the past, Spurs were very good with the, the contract situations and were, were always diligent in in uh, in getting them to renew. But I think with a lot of the players we we mentioned, Toby, Ericsson, Yan, they're all of course entering the last year of their contract. I think Rose uh, next summer will be entering the next year of his contract, the last year of his contract. So uh, for, for me, it's it, I don't know whether it's a bit of a worry. I, I wonder. Whether the club are kind of worried about this situation, where now they're they're letting a lot of their best players um, enter the last year of their contract, so I wonder if that is a worry for Spurs. Well, I think it's a bit of a concern. The other thing that I suppose you have to say is that they're not young anymore. So even if uh, certainly Ericsson is the youngest of those three, of those four, isn't he? Um, and if you were to lose Alderweireld and and Fertongen, which I think is is possible, more than possible. You've still had a pretty good run out of them, particularly for Tongan. He's been there, what, seven, eight years? Been there for quite some time now. Um, and it's been excellent, let's be honest, throughout that, that period, apart from the, the row he had with, uh, with Sherwood, about which the, the least you speak, the better, because <laughs> pretty clear who was right and who was wrong in that, and I'm afraid it wasn't the manager. No. Um, and that being the case... Um, Whilst it would be a blow, it wouldn't be the same as losing a 27-year-old in his prime in terms of, of three of them. But you wouldn't want to lose a lot of players for nothing. Um, and Spurs have been trying to get contracts agreed. We know that because they keep on, and whenever they get the chance, they announce a new contract. They you know, announced Lucas Moore when he only signed a 12-month extension. Um, on Friday, but the way it was sold is if he was there you know, for five years and it's just a one-year extension. They were constantly trying to get players to stay. They always, as you know, incentivise the contracts in terms of bonuses for performance to try to keep the players fresh and keen. That's the way that Daniel likes to operate and it seems to work because look at the performances they get out of them. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a concern. I wouldn't say it's... Um, a major, oh my word, it's the, the end of civilization concern. <laughs> but it's a worry which is going to be underpinning thoughts and, and minds for, for the next few months. Martin, I wonder, I wonder whether with, with Toby, when do you think that um, he might leave Spurs? Do you think he'll leave this, this summer when the window closes, before the window closes elsewhere? Or, or, or will he um, stay around at Spurs and potentially leave next summer? So when do you think he'll leave? I think if someone had triggered the clause, he'd have gone. But nobody did. Uh, and that being the case, the fact that he started on on Saturday tells you that Pochettino thinks he can count on him for the season. Are you not staggered that no one has paid that clause? Mm. I can't get over it. I mean, me and Jamie speak about, speak about it a lot throughout the summer. That out of Europe, he's not one of the best players in the Premier League, but he's one of the best in Europe. I'm amazed that this sounds maybe really silly of me to think that Roma are actually sitting there trying to negotiate that release clause. We're talking about a guy that is, you know, he's been a Champions League finalist, he's played the Champions League final twice, isn't he now? Um I'm yes. stunned that nobody 
paid that fee. Are you not surprised, Martin? I'm absolutely delighted that nobody. Oh yeah, paid listen, that. I'm delighted, but I just can't get over it. <laughs> I was, um, I, yeah. I thought it was a, he was a shoe in to go. I thought yeah. that United would come in. I thought, um, I thought Roman would come in. I thought other clubs, you know, would come in. Why nobody has, I still don't know. Um, I don't know who manages his social media team, but they're quite adept at oh, making good. him seem extremely committed, <laughs> um, which is good because he gets it. And I don't think I think he he saw the the pound signs and expected someone to come in. And when nobody has, he's thinking to himself, you know what? I'm actually on a quite a good thing here, and I get a free transfer in twelve months. All the money then goes into my bin. Get a big signing on fee. I get final three year contract at a proper a big club. In the meantime, I'll just do the best I can and see if I can win something at Spurs. That seems to be his, his mindset. And very much similar to, to Ericsson, I think. Unless a, a really big club comes in, I would be surprised if he goes. If you're, if you're him, if you're Aldevera, do you really want to go and play for Roma? Now, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you do. Now, he's played for... Southampton and saw that as a staging post and got the move to Spurs off the back of his performance for that season at Southampton. Mm. Um, no question about that. And he was great there and even better at Tottenham. And he, he's signing, it was one of the key reasons that Spurs have gone for being a team that wanted to do something to be a top four team. No question. Absolutely critical part of the whole Tottenham project under Pochettino. But Pochettino was ready to let him go last summer. We know that. Uh, and it took him six to eight months to get back in the good books because of the way he behaved. Last season, he was back in good books, there's no question. But he doesn't play every game anymore. He used to be an absolute nailed-on certainty to play every match. That has changed over the past two years. Um, I s- suspect that he stays now. And if you'd asked me that in May... Wouldn't have been my answer. I'd have said then, I think he'll be gone by the end of July. So I'm absolutely thrilled that he's still there mm-hmm. because he's, he's a brilliant defender. He mm-hmm. still is. He's a fantastic player. And he's, yeah. he's pretty, I think if he and Vertonghen play, you think the Spurs are more likely to win. I think another player that, that's kind of now been linked with a move away is uh, Victor Wanyama. Um, obviously, very disappointing. Um, considering how good he was a couple of years back, um, I think him and him and uh, Moussa Dembele were, formed an absolute brilliant uh, partnership in, in the centre of field. So um, it's very disappointing to kind of see his his decline at Spurs. So Martin, I guess the question would be: Is um, is he going to leave this window? If there's an offer, him he'll go. Of anything like the sort of money they they'd like, I think anything in above seven or eight million, they maybe even a bit less, they'd let him go. Uh, he's not going to play. He's been overtaken in the pecking order um, by Sissoko's re-emergence as a football player when we didn't think he was, let's be honest, uh, by the arrival of Dombele, by Harry Winks being fit. Um, the cover midfielder is going to be Eric Dyer, um, it seems. Although I thought there was a chance that Dyer would go in the summer because you can get money for him. Um, and because he's not homegrown, uh, because he's you know he grew up in Portugal, 
even though he's an England international, he's not a homegrown player. But I think that Wanyama is hasn't got much of a future at Spurs. He's gone backwards through injury, yeah. um, and I think he'll probably be, be be going before the end of the window. I think there could be three departures. He's one. I think they sacrifice Serge Aurier tomorrow if a big comes in of anything like. And of course, if they could, they get rid of uh, Nkudu as well. But I'm not sure that anyone will take him. <laughs> we did see him on Saturday. I think it's he just disastrous. Goal, yeah. he, he made that goal in the in, uh, in pre-season as well. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to get rid of him, Martin? Is he going to be there forever? Is he going to be one of these players <laughs> that kind of hangs about? Is that a competition one that you just can't ever get rid of? Well, unless he's going to go and do some videos with Clinton and G, which we gather up the bed. We've been for another 12 months. Um, I don't know if he, if he can play, because I've never seen him play. I don't know. Um, I watched, it was the cross against Fulham last year, which was great. Yeah. They scored the game. He did really good trick to help in that goal in, in, in Munich. Mm. And, and whenever you see him other than that, he just disappears. He's quick. But... So a lot of people. And also the, uh, the world's longest medical, we can't forget as well, Martin, involved in that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a very strange fish. I don't quite get that. But I think that if, 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 if any big came in, they'd let him off. They do the same with Oye now. And, and as I said, Wanyama, surplus to requirements. Also, Pochettino lacks a smaller squad. He doesn't really want a 28-man squad. Now, I know you only have 25, but because got quite a few who are under 21... They don't count in terms of the squad. So Sessignon doesn't count. Um, and a few others, because they're under 21, mm. they are not included in the 25. Um, and I think he'd actually like to work with 25. He's happy with that. Yeah, look, Martin, I think that the next question, I think your answer is going to really hurt a lot of us. <laughs> um, on Paolo Dybala, I think the next one is... Um, Look, I mean, it was it was very disappointing, this one. I mean, it, it kind of came out of nowhere, I think, in the last 48 hours of the window um, of, of Spurs, kind of maybe rumours of him having a bid accepted. Um, and then there was obviously a lot of um, complex, complexities about the deal and, and whether it would get done. Um, and, 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 of course, there was a lot of drama on deadline day. It all kind of sounded like it might be close. And then um, I think by mid-morning, it, was, it would all been... Uh, it all died down. So um, I, d- I don't know. It's just, it'll be interesting to hear your take on, on kind of where it went wrong with that deal. I think if Juventus had ended up with Lukaku, that it might have happened. But it would still have been very difficult because of the finances, the image rights and everything else of the deal. I suppose we're serious about it. There's no question of that. Um, you know, they had a little pop at it 10 days before seems to have gone away and that he might go to United. Then it came back over the last couple of days mm. because they thought there was a chance of getting him. I thought it was always an outside shot, um, given what we know about Dybala and, and the demands of his agent. The other thing is, this image rights deal and everything else, I'm wondering whether it would have fallen foul of third-party ownership rules with the Premier League as well. Mm. I think it seemed extremely complicated. Uh, who exactly owns him? How much of these rights are image rights and how much of it are ownership of the player? And it does seem a little bit complicated. And I think there may have been an issue issue there. I think there's any question, if they could have got him, it, if it was really viable, they'd have pushed and pushed. Uh, but once 
uh, Lukaku was going to Inter rather than Juventus, I think Juventus decided it wasn't a good move. Mm. And they would try and get rid of him later in the window and get somebody else to, they, as part of a deal, knowing that deal could be set up rather than losing him and risk not being able to, to find a deal. And I've, I would be not at all surprised to see Dybala playing for PSG once the Neymar deal mm. to Barcelona goes through, if it does. Um, and maybe be a better fix he could then play with um, Cavani and, and others who might want to yeah. play. They've got Di Maria there, etc. Um, I think it was always unlikely. It would have been brilliant. Yeah. Right, he's a really talented player, no question. But it always seemed like a a shot against the odds to, to get him mm. over the line, particularly in the last 48 hours or so. They certainly were trying, but I, I couldn't really ever see it happening. Yeah, so no no, no possible chance of, of potentially seeing him in January? Or do you think he's off to PSG? Well, if he's gone to PSG, then there's no chance. If he's still at Juventus, then there's a real yeah. chance. Yeah. Because you could, because once the window shuts, you've then got three months to try and work out these, these uh, or five months, to work out these image rights deal and see if it actually is viable, whether you can come to an agreement. Because you can mm. have that conversation now with, with his people to find out. And maybe... In January, that that could come back on the agenda, particularly as you can you can sign players uh, who've played in other for other teams in Europe in the Champions League now under the the revised um, regulations, which weren't the case before. Where he would have been capsized for the season had he had he played um, uh, for Juventus. So then it could be viable again. But I suspect that he will be wearing blue, white and red and a very dark blue, white and red and playing in Paris um, by the beginning of next month. That's interesting because I'm about to say Spurs Twitter, Jamie, would have exploded there. I mean, if, if, if Martin would have left it, that the point is that there could be a chance. Then I don't think you, you must have seen, Martin, what it was like on Spurs Twitter on the day of the deadline day. It was absolutely manic. You know, people doing up pictures of him already in the shirt. Sure. Oh, it was just incredible. I mean, it would have been great for the club to attract that kind of player, I think, to the football club. Again, it would have been similar to Ndombele, another statement signing and a player that's recognised really throughout Europe. Now, another player that is recognised throughout Europe and a player we was linked to the day before was Philip Coutinho. Again, loads of speculation that Pochettino called him up and persuaded him to come as Pochettino's done a load of these other players that have come to the football club. I mean, if you believe what you read, you know, Pochettino's phone bill must have gone through the roof throughout the summer, throughout the only players he was calling up to say to come to Spurs. But what can you tell us, Martin? Was that a genuine link to Coutinho? There certainly was contact made. And I think um, the problem was that Barcelona couldn't work out their minds whether they wanted to sell him, loan him, get rid of him, not get rid of him, do him as a swap deal for Neymar, whatever. They were just trying to see if they could create a market. A little bit maybe of trying to see if by floating the idea that he could go to Spurs, that that might shake PSG into offering something to get him. Because um, such are the games that are played. We've now seen this, you know, lots of games we've played about Modric being offered from Real Madrid to um, PSG as a part X for Neymar. So these sort of things were, were going on. That there was contact is clear. That it seemed to be dying quite quickly was, in truth, also fairly clear. By the by close of business on the Wednesday night, that one seemed to have gone away almost as quickly as it had blown up. Um, and by Thursday morning, it was knocked on the head completely, wasn't it? Mm. 
it wasn't going to happen. So, again, it was an outside option. And also maybe a little bit of Spurs quite keen for it to be known that they had alternative options just to get Lo Celso over the line. In that one thing Betis wouldn't want to do is, is lose all that prospect of money entirely, which they might have done if um, Spurs had got Coutinho. So a little bit of, uh, of game plan, I think, by Tottenham as well. If he'd shown real desperation to come, it might have been different. I just thought that he he probably wouldn't want to come and play against Liverpool in a for another English team. I think he'd find that difficult. And that may have been a factor in it as well. Mm. Look, <laughs> I think it's no no uh, secret that how much me and Ricky just love the transfer window. And of course, we're all <laughs> looking ahead to January already. Um I mean, what, what do you think Spurs might, might do in, in the January window? Oh, I think we, you've got to see what injuries and things happen between now and now and, the, and that part of the season. Because you know, yeah. if, there's a, if you lose a player in a key position, then that becomes the focus. Otherwise, you just see what's out there. You don't tend to get good value in January. And Pochettino, as you know, doesn't really like mm. buying January too much either because he, he feels that the players don't, get into the swing of things. We look at Lucas Moura who, who barely played after joining in January until the following season because Pochettino wants to work on his players and get them up to his way of playing. So you'd have to get a really good option on a player that you really fancy to make that move in January. Um, you know, you're not going to want to buy another winger because you've got Clark to come back in August or you know next summer from, from Leeds. He's very. He's he's got real real possibility and potential. Um, one of the great things about the window is you look at the Spurs squad now and see how many young and genuinely young players are in the first team frame. Twenty twos, twenty threes, and unders. Um, it's quite a lot actually, and that's a real positive. That's that's setting in in stone a, a long term development plan, which has not always been the case at clubs. So. I don't anticipate a huge amount unless something is forced by circumstances outside the control of the club, i.e. injuries or, or or player leaving for other reasons. Martin, just want to finish up and ask you then, what would you constitute a success for Spurs this season? Because there's been a lot of talk saying that Pochettino needs to win a trophy and he's actually changed his stance over this last week or so, where he's always said, you know, trophies kind of fulfil egos. He's almost now kind of admitted the fact that the club do need to win a trophy. He said that he'd take an FA Cup, a Carabao Cup now. He, he, I think he maybe does see it now as the kind of... Once you get that first one, as we spoke to Troy Towns on the show before, Andros' dad, and he says that once you get that first trophy, you know what it's like to hold that one. It just shows you you can do it once, and you've got that belief in the squad, you can continue to do it. In your eyes, what do you see as success for Tottenham this season? Third in the title, Championship. Caught the finals of the Champions League and winning the FA Cup. Okay. That for me will be a season. If he doesn't win a trophy this season, Martin, is a season a failure in your eyes? No. Um, but it would be a slight disappointment. I'd love to, I just want to celebrate something. <laughs> don't we all? God, don't we all? <laughs> you know, I just I think because it would make such a difference to everyone. I think to get that first pot on the on the on the cyber would make a difference to the morale of the club. It would just change the mentality. It, it might not mean a great deal in many many ways, and it wouldn't attract players if you won the FA Cup or the League Cup. 
because that's about being in the Champions League. That's what attracts the best player. But if you can win that trophy, if you can have that celebration, if you can get people jumping up and down with joy and see, you know, and the cup going in the air with the, with the blue and white uh, streamers on it, everyone will feel better. It will feel like it really is the beginning of that, that new era. The new stadium has heralded the change. And I think that it's been a long time. You know, 2008 League Cup feels like a, a long time ago. My son wasn't born the last time he won a trophy. So, and he's, and he's 10 knocked over. That says it all, really. Poor kid. What have you done to him, Martin? What have you done to him to make him support this <laughs> football club? Made him a Spurs fan. Made him a Spurs fan. <laughs> yeah, but at least he's grown up in a times, Martin, where, you know, European football was a regular thing. You know, but, you know, when I was growing up, you know, 10th in the table would be an achievement of a weekend. I have to explain to him that they're not always this good. Um, <laughs> and if I show him some of the teams that played oh in the... Oh, my God. Early part of this century, crikey! And, you know, he, and he moans a bit. I moan a lot. I'm a terrible moaner. But I, th- I just th- sometimes I think, hang on, Kevin Scott, Jason Dazell, Raziak, Rule Fox, Gregor Razniak. <laughs> oh my! I mean, we, we, you know, I remember when we had it, the big uh, signing was, you know, the, uh, good players. You know, Andy Reid and and Michael Dawson yeah. and, and Mido. Michael I Dawson, mean, yeah. I mean, and Michael is a brilliant player. I loved him a lot. A brilliant mm. bloke. But seriously, they wouldn't get anywhere near Tottenham now. It's, it's crazy, isn't it, Martin? Like you said there, those players, how far we've come. The, the players that we're bringing to the club now in comparison to who we're here, we're in a completely different... We're completely operating on a different scale to what we are nowadays, aren't we? No, no, no. Look, I'm a, and that's, I don't want to be dis- disrespectful at all because I thought Michael was a great player for the club. Mm. Really gave yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, definitely. You'd have him as you'd have him as your third centre half any day, mm. really. You know, I mean, I'm not, but but he wouldn't be near the first team, and that's the difference, isn't it? That now Spurs are buying Ndombele and buying Lo Celso. They're not buying Tramazzani anymore. <laughs> they're not. They're, you know, I mean, some of the players we bought, Todo. What on earth was that? Um, Achimovic, Corsten. Yeah. God. I mean, of course, there might have been a player. If he just never, he just got injured, didn't he? Mm. We never saw him after that two goals against against United. But there's been quite a lot of utter dross over the years. Don't get that anymore. That's the difference. Look at the quality. You know, would Sessignon have come to Spurs five years ago? It's true. Mm. No, it's Maybe. so true. But ten years ago, no chance. We're a club up in the up, Jay, aren't we? That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, <clears throat> some of the players that we brought, as I mentioned, some of the players that we have brought in this summer, um, the likes of Ndombele, I mean, you just couldn't imagine Spurs competing with, with the top teams to sign these top players. And um, I think just there's so much of the structure that's now been put in place um, with the new stadium. I think that there is now a base there to kind of keep us there. Um, maybe, obviously, Maurizio Pochettino having him there um, is going to be very, very important. But I think even if we were to lose someone like that, we do have that kind of that structure now in place um, where kind of whatever happens, I think that Spurs, you know, have now got the, the base to be successful for many years to come. I agree with that one. Well, Jay, thank you for coming on tonight. It's been great. I think we've, we've loved it, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Martin, I think you've given us some brilliant insight and uh, it's been very fascinating just sitting here and listening. So um, 
I've, I've absolutely enjoyed it and uh, yeah, I'm sure everyone else will enjoy it just as much. No, oh, indeed. Martin, I can't thank you enough for coming on um, and sharing this information with us because as fans, you know, with papers, you know, all you see is like, say, on these are social media, there's all different stuff out there. So to hear it from a reliable source like yourself, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing the time with us. My pleasure, it's been an absolute joy. So it's good fun. I'm just looking forward to the next few months, see how it pans out. But I'm very excited, I have to say. Lovely, Martin. You've got to promise us when we do get that trophy, you're going to come back onto the show and show your love for it, yeah? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Not a doubt. You're a top man. <laughs> make, we'll make a date in either March or May. Uh, th- there you go. See, that's the confidence of the man. You know, no doubt. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have the quadruple wrapped up by then, so it'll be absolutely fine. We'll come and celebrate all four. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do I'll take that I'll take that yeah I wouldn't be too complaining well guys I hope you've enjoyed this show listen it's been fantastic and as Jason is listening in not too long until January come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network